0: Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Wednesday, February 3rd. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. And on a d- day like today, I'm sure Mike, he'd rather be napping the podcasting. He's been going since the crack of dawn, publishing a lot of stuff. It's signing day, so these are his you know really busy days. But he's here to podcast for the people. Mike, say hello to those people.
1: How's it going, everybody? I, I tend to crash in the uh, late afternoon on National Sign Day, so I still have a couple hours of my second wind before, I- before I'm
0: really there. Awesome. Well, this podcast will not last a couple hours, so we'll get you we'll get you out of here in enough time. But uh, as we mentioned, Mike, uh, Wednesday marked the first day of the second signing period for college football. The first signing period was a three day stretch back in the middle of December. Back then, Tom Herman was running the show for Texas, and that signing day, Texas announced the signing of eighteen high school standouts. Also, had a graduate transfer cornerback come in on Wednesday. Steve, Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the coach, he added three players: Dallas Kimball, cornerback Ishmael Ibrahim. Brian Rudder, wide receiver Keith Ron Lee, and Mansfield Legacy defensive end David Abi- Abiara. Excuse me. Uh, let's take a closer look at those three players. We're going to start with Ishmael. He's been a part of this Texas class for a while, but unfortunately, he didn't sign in December. He was dealing with some legal issues. Then there was also that coaching change. So I'm kind of asking Mike, are you surprised he still signed with Texas?
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I believe that it was the right decision by the new coaching staff to give him the second chance. It appears by all accounts, uh, by the police council and you know everything involved, that he was just kind of hanging out with the wrong people. So uh, I think he gets a second chance to kind of make right on that. The new staff did their homework, decided uh, that he was worth the risk, and he's a he's a really good football player. You know, like if you were playing – uh, the new NCAA college football game here in a couple years when it comes out, this is how you create a player. He's long, he's athletic, uh, he's you know a former track guy who can really run. Uh, so a, a player that Texas fans should be excited about if he can kind of stay out of his own way and uh, use this uh, kind of stuff he was involved with as a learning experience.
0: Now Ishmael is a four-star recruit, 6'1", 175, according to our friends at 247 Sports. Now, I wouldn't expect him to start this season. A, he's a freshman. B, Josh Thompson, Deshaun Jameson, they're still on campus. But the quarterback depth is kind of thin at Texas. You know, Jalen Green has transferred out. He's uh, now at Mississippi State. Kenyatta Watson left for Georgia Tech during the, this past season. So once Josh, once Deshaun kind of move on and, you know, go, go pro presumably in a year or so, could we, still, could we see Ishmael uh, contending for one of those starting jobs?
1: No, I think that's the plan you know he, he needs to be he like you said the the depth there isn't that great he's one of the you know more highly recruited guys in this class uh, Jameer Johnson also in this class signed back in December from California uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on Keaton Crawford already on on campus so there's a couple other names there you know I don't think it's guaranteed and I think Texas signs a pretty good class in 2022 at the cornerback position uh, but absolutely he'll be in that mix and he's somebody that the staff needs to blossom into a starter in order to uh, to achieve what they want to defensively.
0: Um, let's go talk wide receiver Keith Ron Lee from uh, Brian Rudder, uh, three-star recruit, 5'10", 175. I believe technically he would be Tom Herman's last um, commitment, committed to the Longhorns on Christmas and um, around Christmas time. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff honored that commitment. And Keith Ron will be coming to campus uh, in, in the fall, I guess technically the summer, but Due to his size, Mike, I'm assuming that he is got his life at, at Texas is destined for the slot.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of Calvante Dixon, who committed late last last cycle, who uh, had a good uh, play against Colorado in the Alamo Bowl. I think is his comparison. Most likely a slot receiver could play a little bit on the outside if needed. A jet sweep guy who could also help in special teams. is a really quick, athletic player who is fantastic in open space. He was really good as a senior, and this recruiting class was tough uh, for, for guys who late, you know, late bloomers who blossomed as seniors uh, because coaches couldn't get out, get out there to high schools and watch them play. You couldn't go camp in the summer, and so some of those dudes went under the radar. I think Keith Ron's one of those guys who probably in a normal year gets a lot more attention as a senior. Uh, a really good pickup, I think, by Texas's uh, old staff late in the cycle. The uh, new staff kept him on board. And, and I think he's somebody who could in a couple of years from now, look back and, and say, they found a gym uh, from the old staff.
0: It probably helps that Andre Coleman stayed on board. And I'm sure Andre had a lot to do with his original commitment and could probably, you know, sing his praises to uh, Steve Sarkeesian and the rest of the offensive of coaches that probably helped a little bit. Um, now this next question probably depends on where you're placing Jatavian Sanders, whether you see him as a receiver Tight end, or you see his future on the defensive line. But when you grade the receivers that Texas signed in this 2021 class, yes. you know, Keith Ron Lee, Casey Kane, a three star from Louisiana, Jaden Alexis, a four, a four star from Florida, um, how do you grade how Texas did um, as a whole when it comes to receivers?
1: Yeah, if Jadavion Sanders plays offense, I, you know, I give it a B and A minus. He's, he's a really good football player. I believe his upside is probably better at defensive end just because I don't know if he's straight line speed fast enough to play outside wide receiver. Uh, but a really good class, they had to go out of state. You know, Texas is, is able to produce a, a decent amount of wide receivers. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, when they have to go out of state, that means that they're missing out on some of their top priorities in-state. But Casey Kane's an underrated player from Louisiana who, who's got some attributes to be really good. Jaden Alexis, uh, the only four-star composite guy on the offense to sign with Texas in the 2021 class. He could be one of the more underrated players in this cycle. You know, guys like me uh, didn't get to go out of state and really travel and watch these guys play this year the way that we normally would. So I don't know if he gets the, the publicity that he deserves. But he's a really good football player. So if Jatavion Sanders... As part of that group, I think it's a high B, a low A type grade. If not, probably a B minus C plus just because they were forced to to kind of go in some avenues they wouldn't have liked to if they would have gotten their main targets in state.
0: Texas fans, they were fans of recruiting. They knew about um, Ishmael's commitment. They knew about Keith Ron's commitment. Uh, What they might not have known about was uh, David Abiara's commitment, Mansfield legacy defensive end. He committed at a signing ceremony today, let his plans be known. Um, what do we need to know about about David? What Texas fan, Why should Texas fans be excited about this uh, final addition to this 2021 class? You
1: know, Coach Melson at, at Mansfield Legacy says that David has as much upside, if not more upside, than any player he's coached in 29 years. And this is a guy who played football at Oklahoma, who recently had Jalen Catalan on campus, who could end up being a Thorpe Award winner at, at Arkansas. So he knows talent. So I, I think the fact that this new staff wanted – RBR so much that they they offered him pretty much the day that they were hired uh, as as defensive coordinator and defensive line coach I think just it speaks to the way that they think he can fit he can play defensive end he can play outside linebacker and and so they wanted him they wanted him at their old schools and they were able to get him at Texas and it's a good late pickup there's a lot of stuff going on at Texas with the new staff and stuff I, I think this will fly under the radar in most circumstances, this would be a pretty big deal for the Longhorns. I think it's something that in a few years pays off for the staff.
0: Now you look at the measurables for David. He's a four-star recruit, 6'4", 248. Um, as you say, you know, his high school coach uh, sings his praises. and you know High school coaches often sing praises. not often a high school coach says, uh, you know, this kid is, isn't good. But it is rare for a high school coach to say he's the best of coach. I mean, that is – that is a high high praise um, you know, that he got from his coach. But does this signing kind of hint at what kind of recruits Texas is going to go out after now on the defensive side with a new defensive coordinator, uh, Quis, Quis, kowski I'm struggling with names today, but is this is this a sign of things to come?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think these are the type of players they're going to want. You know, it's not you know the old staff. Well, I guess the the two old staffs go, the the Todd Orlando group that was an odd man front. Uh, then Chris Ash comes in there and it goes more to four-man front. You know, I think with Kwiatkowski, they're going to be both. And so they're going to want guys who can play all over the defensive line, can even play some outside linebacker. And Abiara is perfect for that. He is a defensive end, outside linebacker hybrid that can probably stand up and rush the the passer or he can get his his hand on the ground, and he's big enough to play against the run. Um, So versatile, athletic guys who can play multiple positions are coveted by almost every defensive staff, and I I think those are the guys that – Texels will want guys who are really athletic really fast and can play as many positions as possible uh, just so you can keep the seven same 11 guys out there or substitute in and out uh, with with a pretty deep uh, two deep package.
0: Now Mike you were in Mansfield for David's signing ceremony today you caught up with him afterwards let's hear what the newest Longhorn had to say.
2: I guess, first off, what's the, what's the feeling right now? Is it relief? Is it excitement? This has been a, a cycle that's been kind of unprecedented for a lot of reasons.
3: Oh, Definitely sorry, relief. You know, I'm just glad to be signed, You know, excited to play for the University of Texas. I'm just glad it's all over. So. You
2: mentioned kind of a perfect storm of coaches that recruited you from kind of all over the country, right. kind of converging into Austin. Right. Like, how nice was that at the end of the cycle to kind of have some clarity there?
3: Uh, it kind of gave me like all the – He gave me everything I needed to know about, you know, going there because everything happens for a reason, I feel like. So just the fact that everything happened like that, it just solidified my decision.
2: Now Texas fans are still trying to understand kind of what the defense is going to look like under Coach Pete. Kind of from your understanding, kind of what, what should Texas fans expect from that defense?
3: Um. So with with Coach K coming in, uh, the defense right now, uh, either either a four three three four, either uh, I'm gonna play D end or outside linebacker, either or. So just whenever I get there, whichever way I can best help the team is what I'm what I'm there to do.
2: Now that you've had this in the past, right? You've done this, and you could talk to younger players or your younger self. What are some tips that you would give them about going through this process?
3: Man, I would say take your time. Don't let anybody rush into any rash decisions. Um, make sure you have surround yourself with good people. You know, uh, good friends. Uh, surround yourself with good people so um, they can they can help you out and elevate you. So that's probably the best idea. What excites you about uh, Coach Sarkeesian and the staff now at Texas? Man, that, that staff is crazy. The experience they have and just the knowledge of the game is, is unprecedented. And it's just, man, it's I'm excited to play for them. All right.
2: And uh, one message to Texas fans about kind of who you are as a player, what, what to expect from
3: you early on? Uh, no, nah, just expect big things from me, uh, number 10. And uh, I'll definitely, you know, put on a show for you guys and, and hopefully lead Texas along with my other recruits. will will lead Texas to, to, to back to its heyday. So, hook them. All right, man. All
0: right. Thank you. The recruits weren't the only people talking about Texas football on Wednesday. Uh, new Texas football coach Steve Sarkeesian also met with the, the media on Wednesday afternoon. Let's uh, take a listen to how Sarkeesian reacted to his first signing day with the Longwoods.
4: Um, so clearly, when, when you really just kind of look, I think the couple positions that should jump out to everybody. One is that defensive end outside linebacker position. Um, and we, re- we really went there first with Ray Thornton. Uh, as a grad transfer from LSU uh, and bringing him on board a guy competed against the last two years uh, the versatility he brings the pass rush ability uh, we feel like is is somewhere we can really kind of uplift the roster a guy who's got championship pedigree at LSU from a couple years ago really good third down pass rusher so we tried to we tried to address that early on uh, and then to go to get a David Abbiara uh, you know 64 245 pound defensive end. Uh, that I, we really believe can grow into a 265 pound type defensive end, 270 pound defensive end, but also show some versatility as a stand up defensive end uh, off of his high school tape. Um, you know, I think that the, the key to the drill there is understanding our style of play and Coach Kwiatkowski's style of play uh, when he was at Washington. That that hybrid defensive end um, that can play defensive end or stand up outside linebacker is a big component. Uh, to generating the pass rush, but also the versatility. So addressing those two. Uh, and then Ishmael Ibrahim, uh, clearly 6-1 corner, um, you know, in our conference in the Big 12 and in any league, you got to have cover corners. And he clearly can do that. But I think the one thing that jumps out with Ish is the physicality that he plays with. I mean, you watch his tape. He's a tremendous tackler, uh, he can get off blocks and in this day and age of the bubble screens and the, and the quick screens your corners have to have the ability to tackle not just cover but again I like to liken everything back to what coach quickcalsey had done at Washington and how many of those long corners they had at Washington that are now on and playing in the NFL uh, I think he's a great scheme fit for us as well as kind of just a fit from a from a from a body length, style of play standpoint, really big to us. And then Keith Ron Lee, um, I really view him as a slot type receiver for us. I think this guy's got a real high football IQ. Um, You know, all of the gadget type plays, the jet sweeps, the bubbles, those things stand out. But when you really start digging into the tape on him, his ability to adjust on the football down the field is something that's been very impressive to me. He's got tremendous hand-eye coordination. Uh, He can make plays in the ball. He wins one-on-ones. Um, so again, I think when you look at those key components, we got kind of a versatile kind of a slot receiver, we got a really good cover corner, okay, and we got two defensive end outside backer type body types to fit us. Now, you know, clearly what happened for us here is we didn't want to reach too far and just fill up all of our numbers. So that allowed us here, we've really got four spots still available for us. Um, and in the nature of college football right now. Uh, with the transfer portal and the and the things going on and a potential one-time transfer rule coming down the road. We wanted to make sure we left ourselves enough wiggle room and versatility to get through spring ball and maybe address some, a few more needs that, that, that may come down the road. So, you know, ideally, um, you come in at the front end and you sign all, you know, 25 of your guys and, and, and away you go. Uh, this was obviously clearly a unique situation with the signing period where 19 kids were already signed, which we feel very good about. We think they're going to be good additions to the program. Now, what do you do with those last few spots? knowing the majority of the players are off the board and they're already they're already signed and going to other schools. So all in all, I thought we did a really good job on the 21 class, leaving us some wiggle room and, and filling some needs. But I think the other key component, which I thought our staff has done a tremendous job of up until this point, is not playing from behind in the 22 and in the 23 class. We gave that a lot of focus as well so that we could be up to speed today with the other schools around the country of our evaluation process, getting our board in order, ranking our players where we like them, and then putting the emphasis on the guys that uh, that we feel good about moving forward into 22. Roger, go ahead. Coach, uh, I don't know if it's like getting on a bicycle again, but, you know, for so many years recently, you've been probably more concentrated on the offensive side of the ball, your position. Now back to, you know, kind of the buck stops here, knowing that, that your coaches are responsible as well. What's that been like the last few weeks, getting back into that, that last decision maker? I loved it. I'll be quite frank with you. I've loved it. You know, it's uh, when you're an assistant, you always sit there in the back of your head and you think, ah, I'd take that guy or I wouldn't take that guy. Right. And, you know, but you don't really have that choice. And now you do. And I, I think the one thing we really try to pride ourselves on is, Our evaluation process, whether it's the position coach, the area coach, the coordinator, and then me, and really going through the evaluation process is he a fit? And at the end of the day, coming together and saying, let's try to go get this kid, or no, maybe not right now, or you know what, he's just not a fit for us. He's a good player, he's not a fit for us. And those are the calls you got to make. Uh, But at the end of the day, like in my opinion, we've hired a tremendous, uh, a tremendous staff. I really love their evaluation of kids. We know what we're looking for by position specific. And then do they meet the traits, right? The, The position traits and qualities that we're looking for. And if they're short somewhere, is that something that we can develop them into where maybe they're, you know, maybe they are a little short in a certain area. But man, if we can develop them, he can get there. And so those are all the discussions you have. Um, I know a style of defensive player when I see it that I'm looking for. And then especially you start drilling down by position specific, I think then it all comes to light. And it's pretty clear what we're trying to get done when you get there.
0: So since signing day is here, Mike, I guess it's kind of time to officially close the book on the class of 2021, start looking ahead to the class of 22. But, you know, before we start looking at that class of 2022, what was this recruiting cycle like for you to cover it? I mean, this was a weird cycle, as you mentioned, you weren't able to go on a state. you know there were limited interactions. you probably didn't get as many face to face meetings. Um, how was this like to cover covered and how you know what was your impression of how these uh these kids rolled the punches? I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was saying how much of a environment what must have been for some of these recruits to you know, they didn't get these official visits. They didn't get all the bells and whistles that usually comes with a, you know, being a four or five star recruit on some of the you know cool things you get to do. So, I mean, that was kind of a bummer for them. You know, it's nice that they got their college education paid for, and, you know, they can look forward to life as a Texas Longhorn. But, you know, just your reaction to this recruiting cycle as a um, recruiting writer, and then also your reaction to how these recruits handled this uh, very weird past year.
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, major respect to all the guys in the 2021 class of, I mean, it's tough. You know, you're you're signing up to play somewhere for three, four or five years to go uh, move to that place to to play for that program, to go to school there, to live in that environment. And for a lot of these players, they never really got to go visit those environments. You know, Andrew Makuba um, Andrew McCuba at, at LB, Austin LBJ, the safety going to Clemson. He's never been to Clemson, South Carolina, and that's where he's gonna go for the next three, four, five years. So that's tough. I I, I sympathize with their plight. And I think we're going to see a a lot of guys in the transfer portal for two reasons. One, because they're choosing schools that they're not quite sure about Uh, the environment and all that kind of stuff. And the coaches may change and it's just a hard thing to do. And then also uh, there's coaches and and schools taking some players that they don't know a ton about. You know, you can only watch so much film and get so much from that. You You can talk to coaches, you can talk to players virtually. Uh, But it's not the same as being around them and going to visit them and watching them in person. So uh, I I think we'll feel the ramifications of this year, this calendar year in the cycle for years to come in terms of transfers and just guys dropping out and stuff because they're just simply not in the right fit. As a reporter, it it was difficult. You know, I, I don't think it was it was all that hard um there, there wasn't you know the out-of-state stuff you, I didn't get to go see like guys like Gunnar Helm or Jameer Johnson I, I believe I would have in normal circumstances uh but you can still around the state most play most places were pretty good about letting you in and you could get you know most interviews and uh most guys are pretty uh um they're pretty receptive on social media and through text and stuff like that so it wasn't awful it was just an adjustment and you kind of understood everything that was going on safety first was more important than you know, getting uh, every single recruit I wanted to. I think the hardest part was not having things like the opening and the Under Armour camps. For guys like me, that's a way where you can see 50, 60, 70 of the top players in the state at, at different camps and really get a good idea of who's the best and how they stack up with each other. Because when you go and watch these guys on a Thursday night or a Friday night, for the most part, the, the ones I'm going to see that are Texas targets are the best players on the field, and it's hard to get a peer-to-peer evaluation those elite camps helped with that. So maybe from the uh, scouting standpoint, it, it was harder. Uh, but otherwise, it, it was definitely more difficult for the high school players and for the coaches than it was for the recruiting dorks like me.
0: Well, let's be honest. You and your fellow recruiting dorks were a little, little upset that you missed out on a chance to go see Casey Kane slash take a trip to New Orleans on the company dime
1: well see now that uh, me and my buddy Mike Roach uh, were actually joking about this. Out of all the years to not get travel, this was a bad one. We could have gone to Pasadena, California, for Jameer Johnson, uh, Papano Beach for Jaden Alexis. Like you said, New Orleans, uh, Gunnar Helms from Inglewood Colorado. I'd imagine there's some mountains and some snow up there if timed correctly. So it was going to be a pretty solid uh, little vacation year, um, but it, you know, turned out not to be. But that's just you know, that's just how those things go.
0: Unfortunately, uh, the next recruit we're going to talk to is just down the road in Klein. Um, you know, on Tuesday, Texas, which has already started recruiting in the class of 2022, they received a commitment from Klein Kane running back uh, Jaden Blue. This is a pretty, you know, b- big sign away for Steve Sarkeesian to kind of kick off the next cycle. They do already have two commitments in the fold, but what is up with Jaden? You know, how excited should Texas fans be as they start to focus on? the class of 22 and what's next under Steve Sarkeesian's first real cycle at Texas.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important, especially because Texas is going to miss out on LJ Johnson. By the time people are listening to this podcast, it might already be uh, a a done deal, but A&M is the clear leader. It it would be, I mean, a monstrous surprise for Texas to land LJ Johnson. So wrapping up Jaden Blue, I mean, Texas always had a good shot with him, but having him committed, I think kind of lessens that blow. And it gives Texas a bridge to Bijan Robinson, it, you know, no matter what the eligibility rules are and all that kind of stuff in terms of if he's still considered a freshman next year uh, because of the COVID stuff, he's probably on campus for only three years and then he's off to the NFL. So you need – that next great back in on campus, they got Jonathan Brooks in this recruiting class. Now you add Jaden Blue to the next one, and you feel pretty good about that running back room, even after Bajon Robinson runs out of uh, – or not runs out, but gets his three years of penance done before he's allowed to get into the NFL draft.
0: Yeah, if, uh, if Bajon Robinson's still here, and I guess it'll be 20 – if he's here for a fourth year, we need to personally drive him to the airport and tell him to go, <laughs> go get paid yeah. And uh, you know, yeah, go, go make the Longhorns proud in the NFL. But now Jaden Blue ranks 13th on your initial FAT 55 list. That's your annual rankings for that year's recruiting class. Obviously, this is the class of 2022, 2022 that we're talking about. You released that list on Wednesday on hook'em.com, so I suggest people go check that out um, when they get done with this podcast. Um, we will dig into these rankings more later. We have plenty of weeks to go uh, in this school year. But what are kind of your initial thoughts about this upcoming recruiting class?
1: I feel like it's a deeper class
0: than maybe the last few. I I think 2017 was the best
1: class from the state of Texas I've covered since being at the Statesman. The 2021 class at the top was really good. I think the top ten players are as good as any class I've covered over the last five or six years. But this 2022 class is definitely deeper. The, The players 20 through 55 are a lot better. It was much harder to find. Much harder to cut. I feel like the last class, it was kind of hard to find guys between 50 and 55. This class, it was hard to narrow it down to 55. So a really deep class, a solid class, and one that I hope is able to experience the the recruiting scene a little bit more. I hope they're allowed to do the camps. I hope they're allowed to go visit, you know, schools. The dead period should end April 15th. So hopefully it's a class we know a little bit more about. This year, you know, we talked about this a second ago, this year it was a little harder to get to know them on a personal level. You just kind of uh, knew them on a, on a virtual level and you just kind of got the information you needed. So hopefully they get a more of a full experience because it's a pretty good class in the state of Texas. And what I think is going to be the main storyline going forward is the bloodbath that awaits us just in terms of the competition inside the state. Alabama recruited Texas really well this year. Ohio State recruits it well every year. They already have two commitments in the top five. Texas has a new coach with a lot of excitement. Jimbo Fisher has it going at Texas A&M. They just signed a great class. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma has it going. They're, they're really good. They're winning Big 12 championships every single year, it feels like. So there is going to be a lot of competition for recruits in the state of Texas. It's going to be interesting to see how the pecking order uh, falls when we get to this point next year.
0: Now, is there a position that is really stacked in this class? This 2021 class got a lot of hype for the offensive lineman and kind of the the beef that was in this class. Is there a position that really stands out, or is this pretty even across the board?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty even across the board. I, I think Texas is always going to be pretty quarterback, wide receiver heavy just because of the seven-on-seven seven and spread influence, air raid offenses that we see within high school. I mean, there's always really good quarterbacks. There's always really good – uh, wide receivers in the state. I believe it's also a great year for defensive ends. There, there's a couple inside the top ten that are really good. Malik Silla at Katy, Amari Abor at Duncanville, um, and then there's a few more throughout the list. So defensive ends, quarterbacks, wide receivers are, are the big, the big uh, uh, positions in this group, and I'd also say running backs. Jaden Blue is a, is a part of four- or five-man uh, group there in the Fab Five for running backs, so uh, a pretty good cycle.
0: Now, let's assume everyone stays healthy, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you got to do. Let's say everyone stays healthy for the next year. Is there any way that Quinn Ewers is not the number one recruit in the state of Texas in December when uh, that early signing period
3: opens?
1: You know, I I think people will get cute with it. You know, everybody likes to go against the grain and and make it a different guy. I just don't see it. I I think he's Trevor Lawrence-esque of a prospect. Now, that doesn't mean he'll go and win championships in college or be the number one draft pick. There's a lot of variables there. Um, But if you're just looking at it as who is the best high school football player right now in the state, I I just don't see how you go anywhere else. Quinn is is that good of a prospect as a quarterback. He plays the most most important position in in sports or at least in football. Uh, So he should be the number one guy unless something really, really weird happens.
0: All right. I think it's time to kind of get wrap wrap this up. Um, like I said, we have plenty of time to talk about the class of twenty twenty two. Their their time in the spotlight starts right now. Uh, we have another year with these guys. We'll be interested to see how many decide to become Longhorns, how many decide to go elsewhere. Um, you know, regardless, it's awesome that these um, young men and you know, the young men who just signed are having a chance to extend their football careers and have someone pay you know pay them to do that in, in the form of a scholarship. That's really cool. So. Congrats to them. Congrats to their family members. Um, you can check out all of Mike's work on Hookum.com. He has his dotted line column that runs throughout the week. Like I said, the Fat 55 list was published today. Um, Mike, how is the offseason looking for you? I mean, how does uh, – do you enjoy the challenge of an offseason and not having games to go to, not having uh, signing days to attend? I'm sure, you know, it's a little tougher to come up with content, but maybe you like that challenge.
1: Yeah, I mean, February's night. I mean, I, I like it originally. You know, that first month after football season feels like a relief. You can kind of do more stuff from home. You don't have to be chasing it as much. And, and you get, you know, I think the the secret is you really get it. It's rejuvenating for you as well because you get to start writing and talking about more about kids you haven't gotten to know as well as the old class. So it it kind of feels like a rejuvenation in that way. Uh, but then March, April comes around, you start missing the games because because, <laughs> like you said, it gives you a little bit easier content this year, it looks like camps are going to happen. There's Elite 11 set for, for March. There's an Under Armour camp, I think, in early April. And so uh, if those things happen, it'll make it a little bit easier. I, I'm just ready to kind of get past the days where you have to do everything virtually. Because um, like everybody knows, it's just harder and harder uh, to get people that way. You just don't get as good a good stories and as good interviews and stuff when you don't get to just kind of go look somebody in the eye and really do it face-to-face.
0: Okay, well, we're going to get out of here. Hope everyone had a happy signing day. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you down the road.
4: Peace.